For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Amen. Get a little worried when you think you've been focusing on the plagues of Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> and then you talked about eating manna for 40 years and not getting old, and God said, I don't like it when you grumble and complain, so that worried me a little bit. <laughs> but you did move that in a, a positive direction, so I'm not I have here my Mount Rushmore parking permit. I saved it. Do you ever do things like that? You go on a trip or a vacation or something special? You save something as a memento or remembrance of being at that place or participating in something. Julie and I were just there a couple of weeks ago. Our first trip ever to South Dakota and we really enjoyed ourselves. I don't know how you... I've never been to Washington, D.C., but I've seen lots of pictures. And of all the memorials and monuments in Washington, D.C., and those things are put there to remind us of the people and the events uh, that are part of our history as a nation. And so we're, we're in chapter 4 today, and, and it relates to what I've just been talking about. See, you might expect chapter 4 to take up where chapter 3 leaves off. You know, for this story to move along. They crossed the Jordan on to Jericho, but uh, that's not what happened. I mean, we're thinking, you know, the conquest should begin now, and, and that might be our expectation of what we would read in chapter 4. But chapter 4 doesn't move along. The, the author at this point returns to some points in the river crossing event to enlarge the details on what happened there. So chapter 4 is an overlay of chapter 3 with the intent of going on some things that the people needed to catch a hold of. And if there were one word that would summarize the point of chapter 4, I think it would be this. Remember. Remember. In chapter 3, we, we read these words last week. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And now in chapter 4, we discover what this choosing was about. See, God is commanding, through this act, the people of Israel to build a memorial. That's why these men had aching shoulders. These men have been selected to build a reminder, a way to remember what God had done on this particular day. A man from each tribe was to pick up a rock from the bed of the Jordan River, and together, these rocks would be used to build a monument that would serve as a memorial to the power of God in making a way for the Israelites to cross the Jordan River at flood stage. And there were some very good reasons for doing this. Now, um, you know, our family uh, 
for years has gone to the same place in um, the Gifford Pinchot National Forest in Washington State Camp. My wife's family's been going there for what seems to me like forever. Probably 40, 50, 60 years. It's on the Ohanakosh River. You guys don't know where that is, right? <laughs> it flows right off the glaciers of Mount Rainier. It's not the kind of river you spend much time in. But um, there's a place there called the Blue Hole, and we like to visit the Blue Hole. And it's called the Blue Hole because the waters are really deep and blue. And you can jump off the cliffs into the blue hole, and then you can walk on water to get out because you want to spend no time in water. <laughs> there's a big area where you know how river walks are, and, and the river's at flood stage, and then usually when we're down in the summer, the, the water's receded, and so there's all these rocks. And, and I remember our family getting together and building these on the sh shore of the, on the bank of the Ohenokosh River, stacking rocks like this. But I don't think any of them were ever as big as the rocks these men picked up on this day. So this is just for illustration purposes. I think what actually happened there probably looked a little more impressive and massive than that. But then God had some very good reasons for asking them or telling them to build this monument of rocks. And the first was this. Mankind has a built-in ability to forget. We're good forgetters. Now, that can be good and that can be bad. Uh, it's good that God gave us the capacity to forget because some things in life are best forgotten. You know, I think it's our ability to forget sometimes that leads us to talk about the good old days. Because when you really think about the good old days, not everything was good about the good old days. Um, Julie's mom, my mother-in-law, used to talk about that. Um, she had some things figured out. I mean, there were certainly some good things about the good old days, but she also remembered some of the things that weren't so good. She said, you know, I don't miss having to go to the little house out back in the middle of the winter to use the bathroom. I don't miss that. That was so good. She didn't miss wormy fruits and vegetables because when she was growing up, there was no effective way to treat those things for insects. So, you know, she, she remembered that things were good, but she remembered that it wasn't all good. Um, but very often when we talk about the good old days, it's because we have a tendency focus on the good things we remember and kind of we forget the bad things. Um, so, you know, it's okay. Um, here's, here's an example from the scripture of, of maybe a way that forgetting is a good thing. John 16, 21. Jesus said, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time is but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Now, I've never personally been through that experience. <laughs> but I'm thinking that if this weren't true, the population of the world would certainly be much less. Than 
And those of us who were not the firstborn would probably not be here. <laughs> and those of us who are the firstborn would probably be only child. <laughs> right? So some things are better for God. But forgetting can be a bad thing. It can, it can get us into trouble. It's, well, it's like this. Moms, you may have been do something like this. It's the kid lining up his bicycle to hit the ramp he built in the street, and mom saying to him, did you forget what happened last time? <laughs> or maybe the, like the man who texted his girlfriend, and he said, Sarah, I'm so forgetful. I remember proposing to you last night. But I don't remember whether you said yes or no. <laughs> and Sarah responded, Matt, I knew I said no to someone last night, but I forgot who it was. Forgetting can be a bad thing. And the point is, the impact and significance of an event can fade even within the generation that experiences it. Think about the generation that preceded the generation that's now, that's now crossed the Jordan River, those that had died in the wilderness. They had seen God do incredible things. I mean, wouldn't it would have been great to be able to witness some of those things that God did for those, something had to do with the plague and getting across the Red Sea, and water out of the rock, and manna from the sky, and quail, you know, we need meat and quail everywhere, and it must have been incredible. And yet it seemed every time they met a challenge, they forgot what they had witnessed God do already. And they grumbled, and complained, and cowered in fear or wanted to return to the land where they had lived in slavery. Oh, go me back. So, ah, the good old days. <laughs> we forgot we were slaves. So, one of the reasons God had them build this monument is because of our tendency to forget. Another good reason for building this monument and memorial was God has some things he wants us to remember. Psalm 105, verse 5, says this, Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. We're speaking, the psalmist is speaking of things God has done there. God knows that our built-in forgetter works efficiently in the So he instructed the children of Israel to pick up these stones, one per tribe, out of the middle of the Jordan River, and, and to stack them inside the promised land as a reminder to them of what he had done that day to get them across the Jordan River. It says in the scripture, to serve as a sign among you. That's why it was there. You know, that's not the first time God would do something like that. Although this this one was even more a lot more incredible than a stack of stones. If you go back to Genesis chapter nine, it tells us about something God put in the sky as a reminder to us. Do you know what that was? The rainbow. 
It was his promise never to flood the earth again. In, in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, it says this, Then Samuel took up a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shem. He named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. That was set up, again, as, as a memorial, something to remind the people. It, it was set up as a reminder of the great victory God had given the Israelites over the Philistines at that point. In fact, if you read that story, you'll find out that the Israelites basically had to do nothing. God did it all. That's why, that's why Samuel named it what he did. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. He took care of business that day. And think about God's work in your own life, in your own family. You know, with children and grandchildren, there's the danger that the impact of an event or even the event itself can be entirely forgotten without the aid of reminders. God has done incredible things in my life, in our family's life, but those things can be forgotten, so sometimes we need reminders. Maybe it's just the... The, the verbal retelling of the story or the event. But those things will aid us as reminders. Some kind of memorial that we have chosen to mark that event, that work of God in our lives. Or, on the other side of that, and again, Connie made a reference to that a little bit this morning, when she was leading us, there's the danger that we can take our present situation for granted. Never thinking that what the hand of God and what he had done in our lives to get us to this point that we may be enjoying right now. See, the generations that would follow those who now cross the Jordan might be in danger of becoming presumptive. We've been on this side of the Jordan forever. I guess I've never thought about how we got here. But it's sure nice. I guess it's always been that way. And then there would be a failure to realize that in their history, their, their predecessors had obeyed God and God acted and that's why they were where they were today. We had a good friend in the church we pastor in Eastern Oregon. That's pretty tough, I think. His father was a brutal man. He'd been a bear knuckle brawler and a wrestled bear, you know, those kinds of things that used to people went to as attractions as entertainment. And he was a brutal man in his home. And uh, our friend raised in that, he could never do anything to please his father. And his father was brutal. He beat him. And I remember this friend told me a story. Uh, he was a teenager at this time, and his parents owned a, a restaurant in a small town in Idaho. And it was my friend's job to demain the shrimp, clean the shrimp for uh, preparation to be served that evening. And so he cleaned the shrimp and he had a bowl of the stuff he cleaned and his father came in and didn't feel like he'd done an acceptable job. So he took that bowl of uh, things that had been cleaned and dumped it on my friend's 
still. And then sending down the block the story to get some things. With that, he was not allowed to remove it. With that stuff, all of it was that you go to the store and you purchase it. And, you know, our friend at the point as a young man accepted Jesus as Savior. And here's the contrast. And I'm not sure, uh, well, I, I am sure. I'm pretty sure that that there was a telling in, in this man's family of what he had been through as a child. Now, to this man's credit, I mean, I heard these stories, but he always added to those stories, but my father instilled in me these problems. So what I'm saying is, this man accepted Jesus. He, he married a Christian wife. They raised a godly family. And there's this huge contrast between the way this man was raised and the way his family was raised. And there was an event, a point in this man's history that changed everything. You see what I'm saying? And, and the memorial was the retelling of the story of how he was raised and Christ coming into his life at some point. So that his children now know how they got here. And I don't mean, you know, where babies come from. I mean how they got in this godly home and were raised so differently than this man was raised himself. Do you see what I'm saying? Those memorials, it was a verbal retelling. And some pictures on the wall and things like that, not a brutality, but of family members that you could point to. You know, in the, in the story we read today, there were 12 stones, one for each tribe, and they were taken from the very spot where the, the priests were burying the ark in the middle of the Jordan River. And they were carried across the river then by these representatives of each tribe to the place where they would camp, and the scripture tells us that's in Gilgal. And they were set up as a memorial. So the people would remember some things. They would remember the power of God that had been demonstrated to them. Remember last week we talked about the fact that it would, it would have been feasible for Joshua to find other ways to get across that river. Maybe just hang tough till the waters receded till the season of the flood would pass across that. Maybe he could have come up, come up with a creative way to build something to ferry people across rafts or boats, I don't know. Maybe he could have gone up and down the stream to find a place where the people could afford the river, but he didn't do that because God says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you across right here, and here's how I'm going to do it. So these memorials were set up as a reminder uh, that God had, had demonstrated his power for them. And, and also to remind them that God would use his power on behalf of those who obey him. Remember, again, it was a flood stage, and God told, take the priest, have the priest take the ark of the covenant into the river, and it hadn't stopped yet. It says as soon as their feet hit the water, then the river, the waters begin to pile up above them in a town near a town called Adam. Remember that? But the priests were wading into this thing, and it, they didn't know. So it, 
it was a reminder that God would use his power on behalf of those who obey him. Just start wading into the river, I'll take care of things. And it was also a reminder to them that God communicated his will through human leaders. It says in this scripture today that God exalted Joshua and he was revered all the days of his life just as Moses was. This event really uh, cemented Joshua's leadership for the people of Israel because Joshua heard from God. Joshua said, this is what God is telling us to do. The people obeyed. The river stopped. They got across, and they were saying, man, this guy's got, he's like Moses. And they revered him from that point on. They were willing to follow his leadership. So God had, God had a lot in mind when he did this thing for the people of Israel. But he had them build this stone monument to remind them of So in the end, it was a memorial of faith and trust and obedience and what God can do. So who is this memorial for? Well, God wanted to communicate to future generations. It was intended to provoke questions, especially among the young people, and the answers were intended to highlight the supernatural work of God among his people. God wanted to make sure that succeeding generations would hear the story that went with that stack of stones. In Psalm 145, verses 4 through 7, it says this, because God really has a pretty deep interest in us passing things on. And this is just a sample of places in the scripture where we're encouraged to do this. Psalm 145, verses 4 through 7. One generation commends your works to another, it says. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Do you hear all the ways that they memorialize what God has done just in this passage of Scripture? Okay, that one generation commends your works to another. They speak of the glorious splendor. They meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. They proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate them and joyfully sing of them. Joel chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Hear this, you elders. Listen, all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your ancestors now? What Joel's speaking about isn't so positive because he's talking about judgment that God will bring. But here's the point. Tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. You need to learn something from this experience. That's why you need to pass it on. So, all two million, or at least that's a guess, all two million people that crossed the Jordan that day could say, I saw God do that. Remember what I said last week? Can you imagine? I mean, the water was piling up. They didn't cross in 10 minutes. Two million people don't cross a 
flood the Dage River in 10 minutes. So they're walking through and looking up at this pile of water that's getting higher and higher. I saw God do this. And for centuries to come, every time they passed Gilgal, that pile of stones would remind them to retell the story of God doing something miraculous for an obedient people. So here's a question to think about. Are we telling the story of God's work in our lives to the next generation? So God wanted through this memorial to communicate to the next generation, God also wanted to communicate to the world. Joshua chapter 4, verse 24, what we read just moments ago. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. See, this, 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 this memorial, this pile of stones was not for the Israelites only. It was for the world. Can you imagine what the people of the land of Canaan were thinking when they witnessed, you know, looking off the walls of the walls of Jericho or, or heard about the crossing of the Jordan? Oh no, God's doing it again for them. I mean, we know that the people of Jericho were already living in fear of the Israelites. This was another demonstration of God's power at work for his people. And it had to be pretty discomforting the people in the land of Canaan. And you know that the word had to spread pretty quickly throughout the land. You And that stack of stones would be a testimony to the world for years to come. See, the Valley of the Jordan was a major trade route. And people from all over the ancient world passed that way and went and witnessed that stack of stones. So when the question was asked, what to do with a stack of stones? The story of God's power to get his people across the Jordan can be told once again as a witness to the world. Now, um, I've been to Israel, um, but I don't know that I've seen the stack of stones. In fact, I don't think, have we seen the stack of stones of Gilgal? No. Um, but, I have a memorial in front of me today that tells me that story. Three, well, now, over 3,000 years later, we are hearing the story again of the power of God and His work on behalf of an question here is, are we telling the story of God's power to the world? Now I'm going to diverge from uh, the story a little bit here. Um, I think the last point on your uh, outline this morning or in your notes is entitled Memorials of a Different Time. First of all, I would tell you that at our house, we have hundreds maybe even thousands of little memorials. They're called pictures. 
They're not on memory cards. There's some on the wall, a few. Some in albums. Bunches and bunches and bunches and big plastic cups. <laughs> you too, huh? You know what? <coughs> Digital cameras and memory cards were a great invention. <laughs> we went through one of these tubs of memorials. And you know, sometimes you got really lucky and you got double prints of bad pictures. Because <laughs> that was the deal. So, black, 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 head cut off, crown, sky, doorpost of the car, you know. Too many of you are relating to this story. Well, the great thing about digital cameras and memory cards is, is that it's made our it's, it's made it possible for our memorials not to take up so much space. In fact, um, many who were here when uh, Tyler and Amy spoke in church about their time in Peru with Extreme Nazarene, and they took uh, their photographs and sent them to one of these places that made you know an actual book out of them. Pretty cool. We can do that now. We've got one of those books that. Our, our kids made for us, uh, was it Christmas or Mother's Day or Father's Day or something, and, and of our family for one year, all the photos from one year. It's nice, it's, you know, it's about this thick, it's really good, they take up a lot of them, I love it. And, and many of you, like us, keep mementos that remind us of places we've been or special occasions in our um, I have a certificate in my office that is a memorial of my ordination. In fact, I have a, two sculptures in my office that are memorials of my ordination. I got two of them. I'm a, a rare bird <laughs> in the Church of Nazarene because I was ordained twice. They didn't think it took the first time. To <laughs> and then sometimes memorials are symbols. And those of you who are 
mothers and those who wish to be and maybe those who never have been. You've all impacted all of us. And I want to thank you for your godly influence. And for the positive difference your presence makes in your families and in our church and in our community and in the world. And right now, 